Is that it? Good morning. This is my first time preaching to you this morning. So to get rid of my nerves, what I do always is um, I, uh, I come up with the worst case scenario. Like, I could be doing this. So two things. As I was walking in this morning from the parking lot, I saw there's a 5K run this morning. I'm not doing that. Step one. Secondly, I am not in Minnesota in September right now. So I'm feeling really good about myself. My name is Rick, as uh, Corey just introduced me. Andrew's going to be talking more about me next week, hopefully. Um, but really, what uh, give you like the short bio, uh, me and my wife feel called and confirmed to come here to Providence to plant a church. And so we just bought a home over in Elmhurst in this northwest area. We feel called to plant a church there. And as I was kind of, I was assessed through the Covenant Church, the same denomination that Sanctuary is a part of, as I was going through this, I was feeling God putting these things in my heart, words like renewal, revival, a lot of R's, reconciliation. I'm thinking of all these things I want to do, and as you're a church planner, sometimes you think you're like doing this thing that no one else is doing, you're going to create this thing that no one else has thought of, and as I was uh, going through this, I was realizing, sanctuary's already here, sanctuary's already in Providence, already doing these things, and so uh, I was able to get to know Andrew in the last year or so, and really come on board, so what I'm going to do is be doing a parish model, we're planting a church of sanctuary in another neighborhood, so I'm really excited for that, and you'll get to know uh, a little bit more that down about that later. So a little bit about me. Um, I thought it was relevant to talk about children today. I thought it was fitting that I was able to speak on this. And I'm excited to because God's given me some different um, perspectives on children that maybe you have not had. I'm a father of four. We have two pictures. You can see some of them. They're seen right over there. So that's my family. Two girls, two boys. So we're an even team. I'm done. I've also, beyond those four children, fathered another 90 children. Silence. Awkwardness. This isn't like one of those pro basketball athlete stories, okay? I ran an orphanage in Guatemala for a couple years of my life with my wife. I have to be honest, I was looking for something a little bit more right there. I just told you that I ran an orphanage. So I really want that like cute puppy, I'm going to do this again, okay? I ran an orphanage for a little over three years of my life. Thank you. Thank you. I needed that. So point being, all joking aside, as, I, as we ran this orphanage, we, we had all these different kids from babies to, to 16-year-olds, all these different ages, and then I have my four. I feel that I can give you a perspective on children and then answer this question or try to answer this question this morning. Why do children teach us? How can children teach us about the community that Christ desires for us to live in? What can we learn from our children? As you walk out of here after the service, we have a local vendor, Humble Pie. It's going to be outdoors there, and you can have some of their pie. And I thought it was fitting. As we learn about children this morning, we're all going to have to take a little bit of Humble Pie and realize things need to change in our hearts and our attitudes and our lives to become like Jesus said, like a child. So I thought, what better way to become like a child than for me to set you an example and to eat my own humble pie in front of you with a little self-deprecation. So you want to learn about me? I'm going to give you two quirky things about me. Are you ready? I know it's 9 a.m., but are you ready? All right. 
I just had my birthday on Friday. Go ahead, someone. What, what did I turn? How old am I? <laughs> oh, hey. Dang, wow, yes. I'm 30-something. <clears throat> and I'm at this age when I, when I turn, when I turn, when I have my birthday, I start taking like a week of meditation and reflection and thinking about where I'm at in life. And I had some real surprising ones this year, and I thought I'd share them with you. Two real corks I realized I'm not, I, I didn't know I was at this stage in life. Number one, I'm officially a dorky dad. And that, not, that might have been obvious to you the moment you heard me, but it's taken me 30-something years to come to this point. I thought I was like the cool dad. I thought I was like the guy that like was really cool, had a lot of hair product in my hair, uh, wore v-necks. So I thought I, was, I thought I was in. I thought I was like, was like better than a lot of other dads. And I realized this last week, I dropped off my oldest daughter, Wesley. She's, going in, she's in sixth grade. I dropped off at Roger Williams Middle School. And that morning, by chance, we were in traffic. So I was a little late. And uh, I dropped her off. I pulled her on. I came back around. And she's at the front door. And she's kind of walking back and forth frantically. And so I'm really concerned. I'm like, oh, is she all right? Is she scared, my honey, my honey bunny? And so I roll down my window and I yell, Wesley, Wesley, are you okay, honey? And this is the moment I realized I was the dorky dad. She just looked over in this like look of disgust, embarrassment, mortification, and she put a hand out. She's never done this in 11 years. She put a hand out and just said, go, dad, just go. Now, I'd like to claim that it was my 1998 Camry with some rust on it that she was embarrassed of. Yes? No. But the truth is, I think uh, I'm in that new dorky dad stage. I'm not able to yell at her in front of all these other people. Secondly, I realized at my age, a lot of, I see a lot of friends or peers, they, um, they buy a new car, or they get some new bicycle, or they get some new thing. My brother-in-law got a Ducati motorcycle, and he was all showing it off, taking pictures, riding around a lot. I realized like, it's kind of a stage you've... You've done something in your career, you buy something. Or you go on like a really great vacation. And I realized at my age now, the only thing that I've been really excited about and bragging about is we bought a dining room table. A new dining room table. I'm way over-focused on this table, and I want to share why. Do any of you own IKEA stuff, furniture? For 13 years I've been married, and everything we own is IKEA. The sofas, the shoe drawer thingies, the tables, the chairs, everything. Everything's IKEA. And I'm so sick of it. Like, it looks nice. You go in there and you feel like you're going to buy something nice. And then you can bring it home. And it's in that box. And then you start with that little screwdriver thing, trying to put it all together. And it's just a nightmare. And I'm so tired of it. So finally we're at the stage where we actually got something at another store. And so I was really excited about it. So I realized I have a picture of it, and I'm realizing no one else cares, but like someone will come up to me, and I'm a pastor, and they'll be like, this is how it looks like. They'll be like, Rick, you know, my grandma, she's really sick, and I I wish you could pray for her. I'm like, that's great. Have you seen this table? You want to come over and eat at this table? I'm just like awkwardly showing people this dining room table. This is the stage I'm at. So to share with you, talking about children this morning, is uh, I'm this dorky dad wearing too many V-necks, and really bragging about my dining room table. What can we learn from children? The first thing I wanted to share with you is that Jesus loves children. 
I'm going to take you through a little photo album of my children as well. Jesus loves children. In this passage that we read in the beginning, it's kind of a thing, even as we saw the kids right there, you know, they were, they were interrupting, they were kind of running around. In some ways, our heart just wants to say like, oh, they're, they're, sometimes they're in the way. Sometimes they're kind of messing up what we're trying to do in that moment, right? And in this moment, that's what the disciples feel. Jesus, he's here on earth, and he's in this moment, he's here to feed, he's here to heal, he's here to save us. Great example. And in that moment, the disciples, they shoo him away, and they're like, this is not what he needs to be doing right now. But Jesus actually takes the time. He sits with them. He grabs them. He blesses them. He prays over them. And then he says, these children are not in the way. They are the way. These children are not something that's just like a hindrance or blocking us from what we're really trying to do. They are and they represent exactly what we are supposed to be and what we are supposed to do. Some distinctives in Luke. uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have these stories and have this passage about, about the children and Jesus blessing the children. But Luke specifically talks about babies. He says babies were in this picture. So it's not children. He uses the word babies. And Jesus grabs the babies and he says, the kingdom of God is made of such as these. And so Luke again focuses on and makes this point that Jesus really cares and has mercy for those that are most vulnerable, for those that are weak, for the marginalized. These are the ones that the Gospel of Luke continues to draw and show us Jesus truly cares and has a special place for these and for babies. All these stories, uh, it goes in context with the rich ruler. So these three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they also have in the same paragraphs, in the same context of, of the young rich ruler. And they're both talking about the kingdom of God. And they're both making this point that I'd like to draw up for you. They're both making this point that it's not about the timing of the kingdom. It's not about when the kingdom is coming. I don't know about you, but I grew up where it was kind of an over-focus of the Lord's coming. It's a new election year. Oh, it's this president. It's end times. God must be coming during these four years because... And what the Bible continues to share and continues to make clear in this, and in this passage is that it's not about the timing. It's about the people that God wants us to be. We, we're not like the young rich ruler, supposed to be over-focused on money, and we're supposed to become like little children. So let's get into it. What are some aspects of children that we can learn from? The typical thing that's said in this verse, and that we assume, is that children are really humble. They're sweet, they're really humble, and they're just faith-filled, can you show that next picture? What do you think? I might be giving my opinion a little bit right now, but again, I get to throw in that like orphanage card. I ran an orphanage. I have four children of my own. That's my son, Lucas, and I just want to break this down for you. This moment that he's in, we're on the beach in Michigan. I was born and raised in Michigan. Went back to see my parents on vacation. Lucas is eating sand And his mommy says, no, you cannot continue to eat that sand sandwich. And so this is his reaction. Do you find that humble? Do you find that full of faith? 
I am not saying that children can't have moments of being humble. I'm not saying that they can't have faith. But they, that is not the point of the story. That is not the point of what children are. My true conviction in reading throughout this scripture is that what a baby is in this Gospel of Luke, what children are, are completely helpless. They're vulnerable. They're totally dependent upon their father. So I'd like to kind of, if you can, wipe out this image that, oh, the children are just humble, faith-filled. They are in complete need of their father. So let's get into a couple of values that we have. What are like kids? What are kids? What can we learn from them? They're brutally honest. This is my daughter, Maria. She's eight years old. She says it how she sees it. Out of any of the children I have, brutally honest. So we get into it, and we'll talk with her, and we'll mess with her, and you can like pick on her to see what she'll say back to you. And she says some real honest things, like things that you've thought about yourself, but no one's ever brought to light. So for example, with me, I'll be saying something with her, messing with her to see what she says. And here's a couple things she said to me. Oh yeah, Dan? Well, your head's disproportionate to your body. And I want to be honest with you, I've always thought that. But I've never vocalized it. I played basketball growing up, and I always couldn't shoot right, because I feel like my head was like too big, because it was like bigger than my body. Another one I'm picking on her. We want to see what she's going to say, because she can be really honest. And what was the other one, Maria? Oh, yeah, Dad, we have bushy eyebrows. I'm not going to get my eyebrows done. Beyond the jokes and beyond her picking on me, she's a very honest kid, and she says what she's feeling, even when I don't want to hear it, even when I'm not in the mood, even when no one else wants to hear it. She's always saying what's on her heart. And what a beautiful value that we can take into being like children, as us and as a community. May we be in our communities honest. May we speak the truth. May we not put up these walls of just trying to show people what we, we think we want, that, we want to be. May we stop trying to be pretentious. May we be honest and authentic and real in our communities, in our home groups, in this place. Hebrews 10.22 says this, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Next one, what are children? Fully dependent. That is an old picture. Do you know which kid of that is mine? Which child that is? That is my daughter, Wesley. As we were running that orphanage, we adopted her there at three days old. This is like some of the first weeks of having her. She was my first baby. Is my first baby. Yes, we pierced her ears really early. That was my wife. And I love that picture because this moment of like, she literally cannot do anything without her father or mother guiding her, taking her, feeding her. What made her ours and, and the story we tell her and... Uh, and, and and she knows about us. Those first days we had her, and I held her in my arms. I, I have this memory of her. I love the stage when babies don't have teeth. You know what I'm talking about? Like it's just gums, and it's just the chattering gums. They can cry all they want, but I just love watching that, because I know they can't bite me. It's not dangerous. And one of my first memories of Wesley is just holding her and watching her and listening to her cry and watching those gums just go like, wah, wah. 
She's my firstborn. I love her. And as my wife will say so many times, she's fully dependent on me. Even 11 years now, and I'm the dorky dad, and she puts the hand up and shoes me away, she still follows me where I go. She's still highly dependent upon me. My wife makes a joke that if I said that the moon was made out of blue cheese, she would totally believe it, right? We need to be dependent on our Father. Psalm 62, verse 7 says this, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock my refuge. The last one, and I'm going to talk about a little bit more. As children, and if we're going to become like children, may we be simple. May we live this life of simplicity. I don't even know what picture is up right now. Yes, okay. That's my youngest, Richard. He is about two now, and I've just watched him in these last two years. He's got it made. I mean, think about his life. And I thought about these four things, and they're a little bit silly, but we're going to kind of close on these things and try to relate them to our community that we need to live in. What's he do? I mean, core, just real simple. What's his life look like? He wears a diaper. Step one, he wears a diaper. He messes up that diaper. Do I need to go into more uh, details, or do you get it? You're good? He messes up that diaper and he needs it changed. He gets hungry. When he gets hungry and before he could speak, he still makes noises. Eh, eh, he starts crying. When he wants milk, he makes sure that we know about it as a parent. He asks. He feeds himself. He gets food. Next, he rests. He takes naps, like a lot of them. Last one, what does he do when he's not in the diaper, eating, resting? He's with his mother or father all day. He's going around life. He's doing life with them, you know, on our hips, doing whatever we're doing, following mom and dad around. This quote is this. Our true identity is flat and plain. I'm sorry, this is from 1 Corinthians 5. Our true identity is flat and plain, not puffed up with the wrong kind of ingredient. The Messiah, our Passover lamb, has already been sacrificed for the Passover meal. And we are the unraised bread part of the feast. So let's, let's live out our part in the feast. Not as raised bread, swollen with the yeast of evil, but as flat bread. Simple, genuine, unpretentious. This quote I read this week, and I want to share it with you about community and how to live simply together. The affirming message of the gospel is that God wants to aid and guide us in the struggle to be human. And he invites us into a relationship with him. The Bible also teaches us that we find ourselves in true fulfillment, not in isolation, not even as we engage with one another, but rather when we relate to God through one another. The challenge for the church is to emphasize the communal nature of the Christian faith and to commit to authentic expressions of that nature. So just like a baby, let me challenge you to do this. When you're hungry, may you ask. As you live out this faith together, as you live into this community, may you ask God when you're in need. There's so, so many different needs we have. You could be lonely. You can be hungry. The paycheck might not have been enough this week. You could be struggling in class and relationships. May you ask of your Father. And may you be confident that He loves you and He answers you. 
Secondly, I don't want to like overdo the diaper thing, but sometimes you dirty your diaper. Spiritually. You mess up. And just like a child, even, even the baby, even Richard, like, he knows it from an early age. He's, you know, and sometimes he, he, he knows. And then he looks for help. How much more do you and I need to look for help to confess that sin, to confess that brokenness when we're in it? Side note of that, if you stay in that dirty diaper, if you stay in that brokenness, it's going to come out. Other people are going to smell it. Other people are going to see it. Stop hiding. Come out in the community that you have, with the friends that you have. Confess and get before your father. Next one again, like the baby, is rest. I don't know about you, but September has been a crazy month. Busy, I don't know what you have going on, but for me it's been a very busy month. And I try to do so much of my own strength. And in our culture, we do so much in our own independence, in our own strength. And what God wants you to do is, yes, work hard, but also rest. You see, a baby's able to take a nap, but the father and mother, they keep on living. They keep on providing, they keep on guiding, they keep on doing life, even when the baby's sleeping. A baby can rest because the father is in control. May you take a moment and think about that this moment, morning. God is in control. You're able to rest. He does things beyond you. He goes with you. He goes beyond you. He's doing things even when you're resting. So rest. In closing, I'd like to ask the worship band to come up. I'm going to tell a story. I'm going to go back to my son, Lucas. The one that was crying in the beginning. The one that's like got that face. He's five now, and he just went into kindergarten. And everything he's doing and everything he's saying is like, well, I'm in kindergarten, Dad. So, for example, say, hey, son, do you want me to help you brush your teeth? No, Dad, I'm in kindergarten. Son, you need help as you're taking a shower, as you're getting ready? No, Dad, I'm in kindergarten. Everything he's doing, he's dropping that line, I'm in kindergarten. And so some things he can do at five, because he's all that. He can kind of brush his teeth. If you give him 45 minutes, he can put on some clothes. He can somewhat shower, and that's about it. But he's really in this stage, he's a little cocky, and he's, he's getting a little independent. So as a father, I'm letting him have that time. I'm letting him explore that. But this last week, my son fell. Something was on his foot. He hurt his foot bad. And in that moment of pain, he realized that he still needed his father. And so I picked him up. I held him close. Tears were coming down his face. I could feel the tears on my cheek. And the thing Lucas does with me is he says, Father, can you blow on it? Daddy, can you blow on it? And it's kind of like Karate Kid, you know, the Mr. Miyagi. I blow on the wound, on the foot, the foot that got hurt, and he thinks that it's all better, and he feels all better. And I have to be honest with you, in that moment that my son that's in kindergarten and thinks he's all that, in that moment he was vulnerable. He was so simple. He was so honest with me. He was so dependent on me, his father. And it's been one of the most special moments in my life in the last weeks. 
You see, Lucas is my son, my firstborn son, and I love him. And I love having those vulnerable moments when he realizes that he still needs me. And I'm there for him. I'm there for him. If this whole Christian thing is new for you today, please consider opening up to this father of ours. Just like this passage in Luke, he stops. He has time for you. He listens. He hugs. He prays. He loves you that much that he sent his son for you. Could could you consider opening up your heart to him? As a Christian community, what ways, like the disciples, are we hindering access to the Father? Are we being honest? Are we living simple? Are we confessing when we mess up? Are we truly dependent upon him, like that story just shared with Lucas? We block others' access to the Father by not giving people time. In our communities, not giving them time, not being honest with them, not listening, not caring. As we start up home groups and we go into those this week, how much time are you spending with other people relationally? May you think about your social media, your work, your email. Is it too much? And is it getting in the way of your relationships? As we begin to worship, can you rejoice and reclaim your rights and your place as a son and daughter in God? He has loved you. No one loves you more. No one could be for you and in this moment more than he is. You are precious. As the falls began and we're off to the races, new schools, new relationships, new jobs, what do you have going on? May you rest in this moment. May you give this to your Father. You are loved. You are a child of God.
talking, sharing, or you know, if you just want somebody to pray with you, uh, if you're not sure uh, what you're feeling right now, or want to just process through, uh, just as we continue in the spirit of offering and celebration and bringing our things before God, um, yeah, just invite you to, to join us in prayer. And uh, we're going to transition into uh, a period of offering our resources to God of giving uh, and a declaration that we are not to be saying that we're slaves to our culture, that we are children of God, that even things like our money do not own and rule us, uh, as many of us, myself included, are just on a weekly basis uh, tempted to forget. Um, so I'm going to invite the, the ushers to come forward. Uh, if you're new with us, uh, please don't feel any obligation or pressure to give. Uh, we do this as an outpouring for our city, uh, for the ways that we want to love each other, whether you to love each other in our community and our city at large. So if you do have a need this morning, um, instead of putting um, what you don't have in the offering plate, would you put your need down right on the high card um, and a T-Rex in front of you? What do you need this week? If it is something very practical, like a friend or something else, we'd love to make sure you're there and able to love on us. Um, and speaking of the high card as well, um, as we uh, talked about this morning with our with our kids, that they are uh, they are our, our community in the back corner that they are part of this church, and we need um, your help in serving our kids. Um, so if you, um, yeah, if you are willing to help out uh, at 9 a.m. once a month um, now with our kids in Kid Church, uh, would you also put that on the, the high card of the offering plate this month? Uh, so let me just pray for us. God, that you are our 